0: Hey everybody, just wanted to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by Audible. You can try out Audible for 30 days. You get a fr- one free book and you can do it audibletrial.com slash designrecharge. Hey, I totally forgot, Creative South is right around the corner. There's six weeks left. Plenty of time to find a roommate or to find a place to stay, but it is so much fun and it's changed me for sure um, I absolutely love these people so I want you to meet them and love them too so I would love for you to come at a $211 ticket price instead of a $450 ticket price here's what that does you work for me for six hours total I try to do two hours Thursday two hours Friday two hours Saturday it is all day Thursday, all day Friday, all day Saturday events. The only thing your this ticket doesn't pay for are workshops, but the $450 ticket doesn't pay for workshops either. Those are all extra. What this person does when you are a volunteer, and I have people who are $450 ticket price holders that still help me volunteer because they have so much fun and it gives you a purpose it means if you're coming alone this is a great way to meet other people or if you're coming with a whole bunch of people it's a great way for you to meet other people because one you're going to be on teams you're not really ever going to be alone even if you're working a door times you're always with another person so you always have somebody to talk to at least for two hours so you could be working the door you could be working backstage you could be working as a runner helping out with a workshop you could be working the merch table this, this is what we do and it is the best time and it is three two-hour shifts. You sometimes are serving alcohol, you're checking IDs to make sure people can drink um, and you're putting wristbands on people who can and that's another thing that we do. Um, sometimes we have people pouring beer or wine. So it's a lot of fun and you meet a lot of people instead of just staying alone and by yourself so it gives you a lot of purpose and it is honestly the best thing i've done in my seven years of going i've always volunteered every year i want you to volunteer too and one of the best things is that for that six hours they give you over 200 dollars worth of credit right so if the ticket price is like 450 then your price for the volunteer, for volunteering for six hours, is $211. That's with tax even. So please sign up. Email me at diane at creativesouth.com. I need volunteers. Now on with the show. It is just a happy Wednesday. Uh, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is episode 331, and we are trying something new because Melinda Livesey is always a good person to push you to – go further to try something and it's okay even if it doesn't always go right. It's just practice, right? Nobody's expecting it to be perfect. And we are now live streaming on YouTube as well as recorded. So it's cool. This is also a podcast. So if you're watching or listening, um, you can hit like and subscribe and whatever. If you're just listening later on, whatever. Okay. <laughs> okay, Melinda Livesey is here today. Melinda has done so many things that I want to do. She's an uh, inspiration to a lot of people, but she's a brand, brand, stra- a brand, a brand <laughs> strategist. That's her pish posh way of saying it. She doesn't say that like that. Anyway, so she was a designer. Uh, she says she's a designer turned brand strategist. And so without further ado, Melinda, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Diane. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here. So I have tons of questions. You are the third and last entrepreneur that has pivoted. So uh, I, I think most of my audiences, either they work a day job and they have a side hustle or they are full time on their own and they're trying to figure out how to market and how to do all the things that we're trying to do and have multiple streams of income. And that's something that you've done really well. You started, can you give us a little bit of your background? You started out as a designer and then what made you, you, you've had multiple pivots, but you've had some different ways. Can you kind of go through that really for us?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it was like you had mentioned, I started out as a graphic designer. I was an in-house graphic designer, ended up getting laid off and I had always wanted to work for myself. So I thought, okay, this is the perfect time because now I I'm not forced into it, but kind of, it was an open door for me to start my own thing. So I, I started off my own and I just took anything and everything. Then I realized, oh, I probably should refine this and actually make a business out of it. And so I concentrated on brand identity. And from there, I had a bunch of people asking me how to freelance and what I was doing to get clients. So I thought, oh, well, why don't I just teach this? So I came out with an e-course about four years ago on that. And then I was still getting work with clients. And then I pivoted to uh, brand strategy. So I learned brand strategy at the Encouragement of my coach that I started with three years ago, our mutual friend Chris Dill, and then from there I learned that, and I started getting clients in that, and then from there I have been teaching people what or how to make that same transition. So I find myself I'm I'm seeing a pattern now in my career is that I do something, I learn something. And I turn around and I teach what I just did. And then I go forward and I do something new. And then I turn around and I teach what I just did. And it's it's been really helpful for me because it solidifies what I've just learned and what I just did so I can understand it clearly. But then I'm able to help those who also want to make a similar transition. So now that I've been doing this for gosh about five years of the, the learning and teaching and learning and teaching, that I'm noticing this pattern now that it just naturally
0: forms that I'm discovering. But I think that you missed one thing out of that. What did I miss? So learning, what teaching, but you have a huge, um, you are really community-minded. Mm. And yes. it's not yeah. just like, hey, I learned how to knit today. Everybody, come let's knit. It's not anything. It's things that people are asking you and that people, because you're in there, you're not doing these um, completely solo. You're you're still living in in these areas and you're seeing where other people are struggling, because I think that it's the vacuum is what we get. And when we're entrepreneurs, we're like, just grind, grind, grind. So if we learn something there, if we're not paying attention, there could be tons of other people who are teaching that same thing. And so that's mm-hmm. the thing. That's the one thing I think you're missing. You're, you didn't yeah. say in your in your set when you yeah. were explaining it, because you really do have, that's such a natural um, ability of yours is that community aspect for sure. Right? That's probably why
1: I forgot. That's probably why I forgot about it because it does come so natural to me that I feel like I can't do what I do without the community that I have. And so maybe I just take it for granted that that, because I think, well, that you, you just have to have that. So to me, it's a non-negotiable. So yeah, it's something that I didn't even think to mention. So thank you,
0: Diane. But you but you also have a way of Um, figuring out what would be something really pressing that would help people. It's not like just knitting, Um, although that is a great skill, um, but you have a a way of, um, I don't know, navigating to see which is a skill that's really going to be something that's going to help a lot of people, but also help a lot of people make money and also Mm -hmm. be so profitable for them and also something that's profitable for you. And you also give a ton of content away. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I think it's a, it's a mix of, well, I, at first I just go out and on an adventure and try to do something that I want to do and I make money at it and it helps people. I'm like, cool. Now I want to teach people what I just did because I'm, it solved a problem for me. And I figured, well, if it solved a problem for me and I was able to overcome something and overcome an obstacle, I'm sure there's a bunch of other people that also want to overcome this, this specific obstacle, especially if it's emotionally, if there's pain in there, if there's an emotional pain point. So for me, before I switch to strategy, I had a ton of pain points. I had low budget clients. I had tons of revisions. I didn't know how to charge for the creative ideas and thinking that I was, that I was already doing, but then clients wouldn't even accept it. And and so I wanted, I wanted to be valued and used to my ultimate potential as a creative. And so when I learned brand strategy, it answered all of those questions. It ticked all those boxes And it was, it solved such a huge pain point for me that I'm like, I can't keep this to myself. I know there's other people out there that are feeling a similar way. I want to help them also get to where I'm at because it's life changing. It was literally life and career changing. And I feel like I'd be selfish to just keep it to myself. And I get so much reward out of sharing what I've learned too. So it's a win-win on,
0: on all sides. I think that's a great a way so one you created a product of something that you kept being asked to, to how did you do this how did you do this um, one you also have really high empathy for other people who are in the same situation you don't you know that there's enough work to go around right there's not that fear that oh now I'm not going to share this right because you share a lot of information all the time mm-hmm. so that's. A philosophy, is that lifelong or is that something you had to accept and like nope, this is how I'm gonna be? Or what started that kind of spark of just being able to freely share?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I think it's always been in me. I think there I've had times of struggling with, oh, should I give away everything? But that, those are very short-lived. And then I realized, and especially with Christo, my coach, drilling it in my head, just give away everything, just be transparent. That it will come back to you. That that I've been okay with it, and I think the longer that I that I'm in this career, and the longer that I see that I can just give away everything, and and when I say give away everything, too, I'm telling stories. I'm sharing what's happened. I'm sharing what I've done. I mean, I give away everything. However, I don't the things that are I charge for are things that are a worked out process. And so those things I charge for because I actually spend an immense amount of time developing these processes that do end up with a specific measurable result, that I charge for because it's very specific to get a result, whereas all the content I share, someone could implement every single free bit of content that I have out there and probably get the same results as someone who invested money to go through the process of whatever I I developed. But it's it, me doing the heavy lifting for them as, hey, do this first, then do this, then do this. So if you need like an outline and to be, to be guided through the process, then that's what I charge for. But other than that, I take pieces of everything I teach in, in courses and whatnot and give it away in content. So really, you could probably get everything, almost everything that I share in a course, just not a roadmap in free well, content.
0: Well, and I think that that's so. It's it's, it right. It's it is the roadmap. So if you're thinking about something that you get asked a lot, um, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you just have to create content for designers. So me and you both create content for designers, but I've also thought, okay, well, if I'm stepping outside of this, what kind of other say I'm doing food and beverage, and I love to do packaging. That was Jason Carn was our our first. Uh, entrepreneur on this entrepreneurial pivot. And that's, and I was like, you could go to conferences that are for entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, for food and beverage people, you know? And I think that sometimes we just don't think outside and sometimes our our yeah. uh, best thing is drawing and sitting behind the computer, but sometimes we have to step out just to, you have to kind of work on that sales portion of it and that community portion about making everybody better and sharing some information. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when in the course of, um, so you get, they downsized and you lost your job. Were you Mm -hmm. already working on the first course or were you just doing your own design? You were just freelancing. And then you're like, when in that period did you start working on the course? It was,
1: it was a year after So immediately after I got laid off, I thought, okay, I got to make this work. And I took everything. I think I worked in an agency for a month or two, right? It was the next day I was at a friend's agency and worked there. And I just thought, okay, I just got to make my bills. I just have to make this work. And then I realized, oh, this isn't sustainable. So I need to figure this out. So six months in, I rebranded to just position myself as a brand identity designer, even though I was doing a bunch of little work on the side. I just didn't put that out into the public. And then, yeah, a year after that is when, so a year after I got laid off was when I started on the e-course.
0: All right. So how long did it take to go from making it idea to launching it? And then from launching to, I don't know if it was a live course or what, because it's not like, oh, you know what, this weekend, I'm just going to make a course, right?
1: Well, some people, some people do that. That is definitely not me. So I think, I think I, um, I had the idea in late spring. So I got laid off in the summertime of 2015. And so late spring 2016 is when I had this idea. Like I've been asked so many times about how I'm doing this, especially from old coworkers that also got laid off at the same time. They're like, how are you doing what you're doing? Cause they didn't want to work at another full-time job and they wanted to work for themselves. So I thought, let me put together an outline. So I quickly put together an outline. I emailed it over to who is my business partner for that specific e-course um, now. But at that time she was just a friend and we had talked about wanting to collaborate. And I said, Hey, I have this idea. I'm willing to teach it. And you you do sales and marketing. Would you want to do the back end and all of that? And she's like, Yeah, let's do it. And so from that, at that time, I wasn't really involved in the design community. So I went on Facebook and joined every single design group I could find. And most of them were college groups. So the graph design AIGA groups all over the US, I would, I would go in there, but I would ask the admins, hey, I'm looking for some beta testers. It's free. I'm not looking to charge anyone. I just would love to give some free information, get their feedback. Would you mind if I posted in the group? So I did that and I got 36 students from that and they were all beta testers. So I ran it for free during the summertime. So that took maybe, um, I wanna say it took a couple months for us to get the outline going. And granted, we're working on other stuff. We have clients that we're still working with. This is, was not putting all of our time into it. And that's, my pivots always do that. I always overlap a little bit with what I did previously, just cause I needed the funds, right, to keep going. And, um, so then it launched, the beta launched in June of that year, 2016, had the beta go through it for about um, six weeks. I want to say got feedback from them. And then I re-recorded based on their feedback, the, the course that went live. So then that took, and that took about, I want to say 40 hours of recording over a few weeks. I think it was between recording and editing and whatnot. It was, it was about 40 hours. So, um, so it was a lot. And then we relaunched it to the public. So we validated the course and then, um, my business partner works on Facebook ads. And so we were using Facebook ads to bring in that. So it was a bu- It was before I knew how to build communities and I wish that I would have known how to do that now looking back. But I thought, you know what, I've learned so much about even running a business, starting a course, doing a beta test, And so I learned so much from that anyway, and we still have that course up. We haven't had time to put as much time as we wanted to into it, but it still runs in the background. So that's, you know, another portion of my income, but I would love to revisit that one
0: in particular, maybe in the later part of this year. But I love how the first thing you did was you went in and joined groups and you wanted, Mm -hmm. and, and not just join them and then flood them with, Hey, Hey, I need this from you. You went in and you asked the admin, you told them what you were doing, and then you, you offered it up, right? And mm-hmm. then you, now, if you were going to do something in food and beverage, say, you mm-hmm. would, what, would, what would be your, if you were telling someone or if you were going to do this, what would be your first step now?
1: Yeah, now I would say go find what they call the watering holes. So like you had said about the conferences, the trade shows, find every single place. And first, before I even do that, I would outline who is it that you're trying to target? Who is this ideal person? What is their lifestyle? What are they into? What kind of books do they read? Do they go to certain restaurants if they're into food and beverage? Do they believe that a certain type of food is is what they whatever they they love the best or certain type of restaurant what kind of service do they like find out who they are and what their lifestyle is like and then I would go find the places that they hang out in where who do they tag on Instagram what places do they eat at what trade shows do they go to what email lists are they on where can you find multiple of a similar group of people or is it Facebook groups where are they? And you can find those, um, I call them social circles online. You can go find the social circles. You can go in and find them on LinkedIn. You can find them by just seeing the followers of certain influencers too. You can just go through the followers of that. Um, There's places where you can find them, but you want to find them in in mass. You want to find multiples of these types of people. So I would just brainstorm all of the different places you could potentially find them. And there's Oh gosh, the possibilities are endless once you know who you're looking for.
0: So then what would be the next step? Just go in there and, and be present and be, or be like a stalker or, or what?
1: Well, first I would, I would go in, it depends on how much knowledge and connection you already have with that industry. So if you're just jumping into it, I would go and just talk to people, go see what they're talking about, join forums and get to know them. So just go to get to know them, not to request anything, not to, don't even give value yet. Because if you don't know them very well, you could be giving something to them. If you're like, Hey, look at this article. And they're like, really? We don't care about that. And you would then be blacklisted. So I would get to know them, listen to them, see what they're talking about, ask questions, get to know them. So like you would with anyone that you walk into a party and you're asking them questions and getting to know them, how would you get to know anyone? It's about relationship building. So I would do that. And then then from there, if you start seeing problems, uncovering problems, starting to see them pop up potentially in the conversations, I would then give value. So then you're starting to see and they, then you already have trust because you've been around. Hopefully you've been commenting on things. You've been asking questions. Then you can start answering questions. Then you can start giving the value based off of the problems you're hearing because again, you don't want to solve a problem or think you're solving a problem of something
0: that they don't care about.
1: Right. So you really want to listen.
0: So I think another thing that I'm trying to do with one of the areas that I'm trying to work on in my business right now is I'm going into groups. I'm seeing, I'm very strategic on what kind of groups that I'm um, joining. And then I am seeing what's going on. I am present. I'm definitely doing some of those things, but I'm also in groups that aren't necessarily just where other people that are, are exactly like me. They're other entrepreneurs, but they're not other designers where there would be competition possibly. Although I think there's plenty to go around. Um, but cause it's, and I think one of the things is it's hard to kind of niche down. So mm-hmm. as you decided on brand, what, what was the, because that's, I mean, it's big, but it's also niched and doing strategy is also niche. So how did you find, like, how did you get to that because I think if a lot of people are like me, we're in groups and we've been strategic and we're being present. Um, and it is, it has to overlap because we're not expecting to make money on the first day. It is relationship building. I'm not asking anybody to marry me the first day I meet them. Right. So if I'm in these groups, I've, and somebody asks me, um, what I did, that's where I might have this issue of saying, well, I'm a graphic designer and I know what I like to do is web design, but I don't think, you know, there's different levels of web design and I'd be laughable if I go to a coding conference and they're like, oh yeah, you're a, right, you code, whatever. I'm like, no, I don't really. I can do very basic things. I can make things bold and italic, right? No, I'm just kidding. I can do a little bit more than that, but like you... um how did you decide how, what was that? Was it just something that you were good at? Was it something that you were really interested in? I'll let you answer now.
1: Yeah, yeah, so in my previous job, I went around in different departments and I worked on general graphic design marketing. And then I went to retail and displays and then I ended up in a very small team of, uh, it was a brand team and they called us the design kitchen. We were able to just experiment with things, And, and this is for a billion dollar company. So, you know, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of funds as well to do these things and experiment and come up with things. And so they, that team, we worked on all the branding stuff. So it was less on marketing and advertising and all on brand. It was all product, product graphics. It was packaging. It was logos. It was in-store displays, outer facades of store, uh, storefronts. So we had our hand in all of the pieces of the brand And I realized at that point that that's what I like to do. So I got a taste of it at my full-time job. And then from there, when I rebranded, I thought, well, people keep coming to me and their response towards what I do. They're most happy when I'm doing branding for them. And I'm most happy when I'm doing branding. So I thought, well, I'll just do that. So I, I kept looking at what do I like to do? What did I have experience in? and what was beneficial to the people I was serving. And it kept coming back to branding. And then from there, I realized that the clients I loved working with the most were those in the lifestyle space. A lot of designers, they were usually accessory designers, fashion designers, interior. They had some design sense already. So I worked really well with them because they already had a good design aesthetic. And I was able to just pull out What made them unique very easily because they were already artistically inclined, creatively inclined. So it was easy to pull out those special things about them. And so then I started targeting. So I didn't just, just snitch down into brand identity and strategy. I was also focusing on the, the lifestyle space. So anything that had to do with, it could be hospitality, it could be home, it could be fashion, any of that, that fell into more lifestyle that was my bend because I I liked it and I loved working with those types of people. And so I just kept looking like, what do I like doing and what do people respond well to and then move forward with that. All right.
0: So, but that's not the only pivots you've made. You no. then have made other pivots. So when, when, when did those things start happening and where are the overlaps and kind of tell them, some about the coaching you're doing and then doing teaching people how to be brand strategists.
1: Yeah, so after something you reckon about about the timeline, so it was about 4 4 or 5 years ago that I had that e course. Uh well 4 years ago and then I started um diving more into brand identity and trying to get clients there. Got really frustrated because I hit a wall. So I hit I hit the wall of how much I could get paid or how much people were saying yes to, types of clients I was attracting. And then um and then I started being coached by Chris Doe about three years ago. And then he he really helped a ton with mindset, with uh with the types of clients I was attracting, with how much I thought I could charge and everything. My whole, my whole business changed because I had more than of a consultant mindset. And so that was about three years ago. And then for that whole year I I was determined to land projects in brand strategy. And I, once I learned it, I thought, this is it. This is the answer I've been looking for. And I don't know how I'm going to sell this, but I'm going to do this. And so I spent that year working my way up to selling, which my mind was stuck on 10,000 to sell brand strategy for $10,000. And I did, I ended up selling it that year uh, for 10,000. And then, then people started asking me just like they did before. About so I took about a year, I would say, to do that. And then they started asking me about that. And so I started doing coaching here and there. Um, and then now, you know, three years later, I gosh, I started I was I have been doing coaching for a little while now. Um, but three years later I'm finally creating a boot camp around teaching that framework and teaching people how to transfer from designer to brand strategist if they want to make the same transition I did. So it's about like a year and a half, two year process of me learning maybe a service or, um, whatever that is a service or working with clients and doing that and implementing it. And then the next couple years teaching it, that's what I'm kind of noticing has been the timeframe.
0: But these are things that you're doing while you're doing other things. It's not like you're like, Hey, I'm going to go live with my parents for a while and, you know, live in the basement and do this. Like you're still making, you're still doing brands or you're still, I mean, I think freelance is still, is still Mm -hmm. making, it's still part of your income, Mm -hmm. but you, you realize that there's other things and now you have, um, you have your, Uh, the inner circle is your coaching group, right? Mm -hmm. So you were doing individual coaching and then you went to group coaching and that's even morphed into different, uh, the way it started is different than the way it is currently, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I wanna add too, with you pointing that out, that if you have, or, or how I did it is I had an idea, I tested it, I validated it, I developed a system so I have a sales funnel, I have a way to get leads, I have a way to then sell it, and it's automated. So a lot of these things, like it's not something I even, I think I put in 20 minutes of work a month on PreLance, the first e-course, because it's just updating our accounting. That's it. And so at the moment, we're not actively doing much to, to draw in leads just because they're coming in from other things I'm doing. So then you start seeing that it's like this ecosystem that the more that I just do, the more it feeds everything. And, and what I do is I start something, validate it, and then I create the system, put it aside, And I can then water it or fertilize it whenever I want. I can come back to it, but I have that set. So then I have the brain space, the head space to move on to the next thing, put all of my time and energy into it, create the system, run through it, streamline it, put that aside. So now I have two machines running right now, then create the next thing. And then the more I do, as far as podcasts, as far as getting out there, posting that, just sharing more and more Then that feeds everything that I've already created as a machine. So then it's just feeding it all. And so then everything is growing all together. So that's, so it's not like I'm spinning all these plates and I'm just keep on adding plates and more plates, and more plates. It's like, no, I'm, I'm creating a system, then putting it aside and letting it run.
0: This month is love on designers month. And this week I want you to focus on loving on yourself. So in some way I want you to do something, whether it's taking a nap, Or it's going for a walk or eating your favorite food, a certain meal, uh, reading a book, taking time to do something this week that's just for you, that will really recharge you. Because we do so much for other people on a continuous basis. I want that to be something that is really something that you're focusing on this week is just you and what you need and to just kind of pamper yourself. Not kinda, not just kinda. I want you to pamper yourself. So one of the other things I love about you is that you're very vulnerable and you've been very vulnerable online because we've been able to watch you grow through this process. And it's just like you said, well, I'm gonna teach people what I knew about freelancing or I'm gonna teach what people, how the system I use and has worked for me or is currently working for me for brand strategy. and then and all these things it there, you're not claiming that everything's perfect. It's still, everything's work in motion. A lot of things are able to run on their own because you've figured out systems, which is a whole nother conversation, to be honest. Um, (laughs) I'm like, wait, uh, I have this whole more questions than I had, but so, so it, in some ways, it's just refining, 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 but it's not like you set out at the beginning of the year and was like, hmm, I'm going to refine. I'm going to do blank. It's like it was a natural progression. I think sometimes we mm-hmm. fight um, what to find that niche or to – I mm-hmm. think Demi's done – You know, he thought he was going to do uh, food and beverage maybe, and then he really just got so caught up in icons and um, semantics and the way – Things are we catalog things, and I think that that's such a, but that's a norm. You know, we can see it now, but it's like you just have to kind of go down some different tunnels to see what really is. Because I do think a lot of people, it's hard, and they feel, it feel like it doesn't fit, right?
1: Right, right. We and I've talked about this recently with my mastermind group, where one of the girls said, "Oh gosh, it just feels like I keep going back to the drawing board. I'm making all these pivots." And I pointed out to her, I said, but isn't the drawing board a creative's favorite place? Like what is wrong with pivoting? Cause she's not, it's not that she is not making an income. It's not that she's not bringing in clients. It's fine. And she just judged herself for, for going back to the drawing board because she thought, well, no, we're not supposed to. We're just supposed to go straight forward and what we said we're going to do and go all the way and do it for years. And I said, but do you like going back to the drawing board? She goes, that's my favorite place and i said well then if that's the favorite place isn't that the creative's life that is a creative life why why are we judging ourselves because of that and that also even saying it to her it gave myself freedom that it's fine that i make these pivots every what 1 to 3 years that's what that's what a creative life is and i'm most happy doing that and so following your inclination following your interests that as long as you can pay your bills and it's working, then why not? Why not just follow those interests? That's what we love to do. We're curious, we're creative.
0: So, so then how do you, are you okay doing a lot of this online and sharing some of these where you've had pitfalls or where you've had real struggles? Because this is again, something that a lot of people do, but not but just as small, like if we're talking about all the people, most of the people just have the highlight reel and they don't really share where they're struggling. And so how do you get over that? Or what was, what was the impetus for you starting to do that?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's actually something that came up in lunch a couple of days ago where one of my friends, he asked, he goes, how did you get to the point where you are are able to be so vulnerable, especially to a lot of people? And I had to think about that for a while because I thought, now, cause I've been doing it for so long, that I, it's hard to think back at how I got there. But before I got on, one of the biggest things that did it was me just saying yes to being on the future with Chris, because he asked me, he said, all I'm asking of you is for you to be completely honest. And I thought, well, I can do that. I, you know, proving myself, probably not, but I can be honest and before I met Chris, a couple of years before I met Chris, I, I had been going to therapy. I went, I went to support groups. So I already had a taste of what it was like to be vulnerable. Mm. And prior to that, I was what you had said, only showing the highlight reel, only showing what I thought would make me look really good in other people's eyes. And I was miserable. Mm. I was absolutely miserable. I was anxious. I was anxious of being found out. I was, oh, it was just awful. I just remember that feeling. And it was a black cloud that I thought the more that I kept doing these things, the more I try to look perfect, that someday that black cloud would leave me. And it never did. And it never left me until I started being vulnerable. So until I started going into groups and safe spaces that I was allowed to just share what I was feeling and what I was going through without anyone talking back to me. And so in the group I was in, there was no what they call crosstalk so you don't respond to what anyone else says you just are given 3 minutes to say literally whatever you want not about anyone else but about what you're going through what you're feeling what what you're thinking what you're having a hard time with and it felt really weird at first but after doing that i realized i've been needing this the whole time i just needed some place to be heard in a non-judgmental space that I could just get out what I was thinking and feeling without anyone trying to change me, change how I feel, give me advice. So I've been trained, trained to be vulnerable through those situations. So by the time I got on a call with Chris, he, he was surprised at how open I was. Cause I'm like, I don't care at this point. Like I'm, I'm fine sharing so um so then he thought, well, okay, great, if I ask you to be honest, he did believe that I was gonna actually be honest. So yeah, it was but it was a few years before that that I feel like I was cracked open.
0: So so maybe a prerequisite is to can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um it froze for a second there. So I was just making sure. So a prerequisite maybe is to going to therapy or finding a group where you feel accepted and not judged on whatever you're sharing about. And, um, I, I totally agree. Think therapy is a great place to, to do that because that's where somebody can maybe ask you some questions that you can maybe think, um, think deeper about, right? Yeah. So having a mastermind, being a part of a mastermind Mm -hmm. or being part of a group where questions are uh, encouraged is is really important where nobody is attacking somebody Mm -hmm. else and people have a safe place to share. I think that that would be when you're looking for a group, if whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever kind of group, those would be things you would be looking for maybe active Mm -hmm. groups, people who have... Um, multiple people who are active instead of just the same five people probably. And then, you know, is it something that I need to come in every day or is it something that I need to come in once a week? Or if it's once a month, that might not be a very active group that you, when you're going back, when you're talking about testing or when you're talking about getting information or or trying to um, find places that could be great clients, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you have any other tips about um, groups or what to look for that would, and I guess it's different with everybody, every person, but.
1: Yeah. Uh, so as far as like a mastermind or something for your yourself.
0: It could be, or for marketing, like when you're talking about going in and um, into a group, say you were doing all these graphic design things. So say um, instead of just blanket going out, you were being really strategic and you were going to mm-hmm. join group about food and beverage and Mm -hmm. it was just going to be restaurant owners and Mm -hmm. then you go in and you're listening and you're asking questions but how do you know if it's uh, a group that you should be spending a lot of time in are you spend doing this for 30 groups or you do you know what I mean like how do you decide which one to really invest time in
1: yeah I would find I would do if the more research you do the better because then you would like you said, be strategic about it. Only find very, um, very high quality ones. I would even consider paying to be in groups. So if you find, um, I know some people in the future pro group, that is a paid group. They pay to be in that group and they also just give so much value. So a paid group is probably the best because you're going to not get the, the ones that are free on Facebook. Honestly, they're just, there's just dumping of, People telling each other what to do. There's a lot of complaining going on. I would stay far, far away from those. I would go try and find, and you might have to take a while to do this, but find the very high quality groups where there is, there is um, the high quality questions being asked. There are people actually taking action. So usually that happens in a paid group. So I would look at groups. I would actually look into groups that influencers, I don't want to say influencers, but people that are your mentors online, the ones that they are leading, I would look into those. So if there is someone that is leading, who's putting out a ton of content in, let's say you're using the food and beverage example, if they're putting out a ton of content in the food and beverage space, I would pay and be a part of whatever group that they are doing. I would even pay and buy whatever products that they're selling or whatever that is. And there's so many different ways of of doing this, but I would find someone who is already serving that space in a different way and then see the groups that they are forming. And because then you have a frame of reference, you know, what type of content they're putting out, you know, what type of content the people in the group are ingesting and what they're consuming. And so then you have a frame of reference to go off of. So that's what I would do if I was, um, if I was looking for a group.
0: And it's for also, clients,
1: as far as serving clients.
0: Right. It's also important to know that you have something that really could be, if there's another product that exists or another service that exists, that's like yours, then it's not, you're not the trailblazer, or maybe nobody wants that because they know how to tie their shoes or whatever, right? You have this huge video series about tying your shoes and you're like, "Uh, nobody needs this, Melinda. Thanks so much. We use Velcro here, you know, or whatever, right? So sometimes it's really important for, again, this isn't the vacuum. So how important when, when you are trying to get work or where you're teaching people about, or people are going out into these groups, how important is it for them to also have a safe group with other designers or other entrepreneurs that are like in a mastermind?
1: Yeah, I cannot stress that enough. I think the first group, I was a part of a mastermind group early on with the first e-course, so four or five years ago, Um, even before that e-course, I was a part of a group and we all were in different industries. And it was helpful. I don't. It didn't help me as much as when I was in a group with similar people in the same industry. It was amazing though and I saw the power of having a group like that that was encouraging, that brought different perspectives, that was supportive. I met with them I wanna say once a week and I was super scared too. I just found them on Facebook and I had asked in the Facebook group is there any local local groups here I could join because I just wanted to start meeting somebody I was so alone and working for myself and someone said oh we actually have online mastermind pods that you could join I'm like sure just put me in it and I'll go and I was so scared because I'm like all these people know what they're doing and I don't and so I got put in a group with some amazing women and that jump-started me into the whole idea of groups and masterminds and a support group and from from there I went to a group that was specific to my industry and that was extremely helpful because we were all sharing knowledge that what pertained to what we were actually doing um, but I would say it's extremely helpful to have it's like a, it's a non-negotiable at this point for me like I will not I, I don't believe I can grow if I don't have a group and I also have a, a group in my personal life that I am a part of we actually we meet once a week We do life together, we share what's going on. I'm in a text thread with them and every single morning we send three things that we're grateful for. And I know that they're my safe space. So I figure, I don't care if the world hates me because I've got my safe people. It's like having your family, that you are accepted, that you're loved. So I have that in my personal life but then I do have mastermind groups and whatnot in my industry but it's just it's wonderful to have that because again it, it like it gives me the confidence to go out into the world knowing I've got people who've got my back and who will never leave me and who will always accept me, and it gives me that confidence to do really scary things that I never thought that I would do, I
0: especially wouldn't do it if I was alone, and I had no one to back me up all right, so that might be a mistake for some people is again being in the vacuum right yeah. so what yeah. other kind of mistakes did you? did you learn or did happen early either in um, freelancing or in doing brand, teaching brand strategy, or even in the coaching that now have again, cause it doesn't matter exactly where it was. You've learned and maybe applied it to the next thing that you were doing. What kind of mistakes? Yeah. Have
1: you made? Oh gosh. So many, so many, a big one. When I started uh, learning brand strategy was I did not put enough I didn't even know where to put my energy and I didn't know how to reach out and do lead generation. So marketing, content marketing, lead gen, business development. I just, I wanted to perfect my craft. And I thought that if I just perfected the way I designed before, before even brand strategy, if I just perfected my logo design, if I just perfected the way I did brand identity, that I would have a slew of clients coming in. And I did not think like a business person. I did not realize, oh, I actually have to do marketing. I actually have to build relationships. I didn't put any of my time into that until I met my coach. And then I got a rude awakening there, but it was good. I mean, I needed it, but that was a huge mistake I was making because I would go through feast or famine all the time and it evened out and I made a fine income and I was able to pay my bills. But it was not predictable. It wasn't, I didn't get the money when I needed it. And so it was just constant, like everything's amazing. I have way too much to do and too much, too many clients. And then, oh my gosh, everything's horrible. Now I have a ton of time and what am I going to do with it? Cause I didn't know how to do marketing. I didn't know what to do. So that was a huge mistake that I, I wish that I knew that, but now I do. So it's all good.
0: When did you start reading
1: business books? I have been, I've always been interested in business, but i for whatever reason, I didn't apply it to my service-based business. I was always thinking product. Um, but I started reading a lot more business books. Probably when I, when I got laid off during that time, I started realizing like, Oh, I got to figure this out. But it, I didn't even know which ones to look at. So the, the one though, that really changed things for me was the e-myth. When I read that book, then everything started clicking. So all the other business books I read they probably were saying a very similar thing, but I just didn't get it. And then once I read the E-Myth, that was extremely helpful um, because it totally outlined what I was doing is I was trying to be the hands. I was trying to perfect my craft but that doesn't mean you're a business person. That does not mean you're the entrepreneur. And I always had an interest in entrepreneurship. And so that book just laid out clearly what my issue was and then helped me. So, um, that was a few years ago that I read that.
0: All right. So I love that. I don't, I think I have that in my audible, but I don't know if I've, Started that one. one. I I, one. I think you just, I think uh, Andre was saying any recommendations on books. I don't know if you have a list on your website or I anything. do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Well then we will make sure that's in the chat underneath and you can always get to our website at marks and Is that where this list is somewhere?
1: That is. Yeah. And it's in the journal. It's a 21 books for business strategy and design.
0: Awesome. actually I'm gonna, find it really quick. Okay. And I'm going to just put your regular, all these links will be in the, I don't know if you people on YouTube can see this right now. I'm so sorry if you can't see the chat, um, but thanks for joining this. Okay. So um, how quickly do you pivot now? Cause it seems like it's, uh, it goes quicker <laughs> now that you have <laughs> gone up and down the roller coaster a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, when I have the bandwidth, when I have the interest, so if something piques my interest and I have the time and it's funny cause the more and more that I do and I create systems for the more time I'm creating for myself. So my income's going up, but my time I need to dedicate to things is getting less and less cause I'm learning how to make processes and, and streamlining things. So now it's, it's like someone approaches me and they go, Hey, do you want to collaborate on this project? And I'm like, well, yeah, this seems awesome. Let's do it. So I'm now, just going with my creative interests is when it comes up, and and as I'm able to, as far as time's concerned. So, like my friend Anthony and I are doing a 30 day challenge on Instagram, and I just thought, hey, it'd be really fun to do this. And I literally just want to do it as it's it's just just for fun. We don't have an agenda with it; we're just doing it for fun. But then, as we're talking, we're like, well, this would be kind of cool for a book. What if we did a book with this? And so we're just. I'm just doing what I want to do as far as creatively is concerned, self-initiated projects. And then if they turn into something, I'll follow it and I'll do it. So there's really no time frame anymore. It's just as I have time and as I have interest, I'll, I'll go down that road.
0: Okay. So let's go back to that for a little bit. Cause this is a, this challenges, I love these illustrations that he's doing. The, the information, the, the point that you're getting across that you're sharing is really impactful. And those are some of the promos that I shared on my stories on Instagram. So um, because we are able to follow our curiosity, and I do think that's an important part, whether it's coming back to the drawing table or whatever that is, I think it is really important that we do those things. Now, whether you're working a full-time job or you're doing something else, this is one of those things where where when you are working a full-time job, or you're in school, you think I don't have time for this or I don't wanna do any more design when I get home. How does this not feel like that? Because this thing, this 30 day challenge that you do with a friend, this could be something that becomes something more, but you've just, it's Mm -hmm. not a huge, 30 days is not a huge commitment, right? But Mm -hmm. you've had to commit to learning something and then sharing that thing. So Mm -hmm. I, I think this is a great place for somebody to start who thinks that they don't have time to do something like this, right? Yeah. Well,
1: I I look at it as that's my, it's my hobby. Like that's my playtime. So I don't see it as, Oh, I don't want to come home and do work anymore. I don't want to design anymore. I'm literally like, like you had mentioned, I'm following my curiosity. I'm following what I just like to do. So I don't even think of it as work. And if someone doesn't want to do it, well, maybe that's probably not something they should be doing. Like okay. I, I read, I think I write on my free time. I love doing that kind of thing. I have conversations with people in my free time. I collaborate and think of fun things with Anthony when I'm talking to him. So I'm like, I do this anyway. Why not just lean in even more into it? So whatever you do find joy in, why not just lean into it and see
0: where it takes you? So I love that. Okay. So how do you determine if something's working or not? You talk about how do you test it? How do you validate it? Can you dig into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, first I would find find a group of people that need something, ask them, talk to them, see what the real problem is. What are they complaining about? What is really difficult for them? So first it's finding the audience or the group of people then seeing what, what are they trying to get to? What are they trying to do and what obstacles are they having in getting there? And are you able to help them solve that problem? Because as a, as a creative, as even a designer, we're, we're problem solvers. So just get really good at finding problems. Mm. I fig- just in talking and talking to people, ask them questions to find out what the problem is. What are you trying to do? What are obstacles that you're having in getting to that and then see where your skills match up with the solutions to those problems or how can you help them in that? So that's, that's one. Um, And then creating something that would solve it or maybe solve a little piece of it and then give it to them and say, Hey, I made this checklist. Hey, I made this book list that solves a problem right there, right? The book list that I made. So people asked, Hey, I need some books. Great. I made some books. Do you want to read it? Do you want to read the list? That's a solution to a small problem. And then they go, Yeah, of course I do. And then you work your way up to bigger and bigger problems, because they already trust you. You're like, they they look at you and they say, Well, you've already solved a problem for me. You've already given me a book list. What else do you have? What else can you teach me? What
0: else can you give me? So it
1: that's the that's the starting point, I would say.
0: So then how do you determine if like this thing with you and Anthony? could be, I know it could be a book for sure, but how do you determine if it is something that people would pay for? I mean, that, that, that you, you're testing it like it's a product or so yeah. you have this problem, you figured out a way to solve it for people. Mm-hmm. How do you test that?
1: Yeah, I typically, well, what I have done with, uh, all, almost all of my groups are e-courses is I create a wait list. So I first read the comments I see because I have a lot of DMs of people saying, Hey, I would buy this if it was a poster. Hey, I would, you should put this into a book. So I'm already getting suggestions. So I might put some stuff out on social media and say, Hey, you know, it seems like we got a good response from this. What if we did this? Would you buy it just to get some yes or nos? Then I, then I would move it to okay, well, here's a wait list. You, If you really want it, why don't you sign up? We'll, we'll give you first news on it if it does. So then we'll see, and I've done this for a lot of things, where I'll see on the wait list how many people are actually interested. And I've scrapped ideas that didn't get that much interest. And it depends on what it is that I'm selling or what it is I'm trying to make that it'll be the goal will be different. Like, oh, I have 10 people interested. Awesome, I'll make it. But if it's a book, I definitely will want more people that are interested. So I get a wait list going. Then um, I've done a pre-sale. So they would not get, it's almost like a Kickstarter, but I don't use Kickstarter. Um, but I've done pre-sales before where I say, great. So you've been on the waitlist. Here's what we're thinking. If we have enough people that are pre-ordering, we will make it. And so then I'll send out a, a pre-sale link in which that model can be adjusted even for services. So it doesn't have to be just a product it could also be for services too. So
0: you just have to adjust it a little bit for whatever it is
1: you're selling.
0: So I love that. So how often, you have a a newsletter that people can sign up for at marksandmaker.com. How often do you send out that newsletter or like if you were segmenting it for these people who wanted the poster or these people who wanted the book, how often would you send something to that wait list or send something Is it just when you're doing something else or like, so one, how often do you send to your newsletter to everybody? And then how often would you send to a wait list?
1: Yeah. So the newsletter I used to have, um, I have two segments. One is just behind the scenes of my business of what's going on. My thoughts just as an entrepreneur and a business owner. The other one is a segment of just strategy. So I have, those are my two big main newsletters. Um, it used to be once a week. I would send out emails. I can't sustain that at this very moment. And so it's been, uh, I try to do once to twice a month on both of those main newsletters. I try to, doesn't always happen, but it's okay because I put a lot of time and energy into writing and they're longer form. They're not short emails. I don't like doing the spammy marketing emails. Like if I'm sending you an email, it's going to be full of substance. So I'd, I'd rather keep with quality over quantity. Um, But I, for about a year and a half, I was writing a week, every single week and people were looking forward to it. They're all numbered too. So it's like a journal entry. Um, so that's the main one, the waitlist. I actually don't email until I have something to say about the product. So I say, Hey, you've been on this waitlist. You said that you're interested. The, The thing is finally up and running. Here's the information just because, uh, I don't have a, I don't have an email strategy robust enough to be sending them too many things and, you know, send too many things and people drop off the email anyway. That's right. So that's
0: right. Yeah. Okay. So how, so you have your mastermind, the inner circle, how often is that? So that's a three month commitment from people. So it's, is it opened up quarterly or do you, can you kind of talk about that and how that's changed Across. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I started that about a year and a half ago when people were saying, Hey, you, I would join a group if you made a group. So I'm getting all these requests and I'm thinking, okay, fine, I'll do a group. Cause I was being told that about four for four months. And it was a lot of my close friends. I'm like, you're just saying that cause you're my friend. And they're like, No, I would pay if you had a group, I would. So I'm like, fine. So I started a wait list and I kept mentioning it in my newsletters. I said, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this group. If you want info on when I launch, sign up for a wait list, sign up for a wait list. So I got about 200 people on a wait list for this or an interest list. And then I put together a quick sales page, um, and got that running and I started it monthly and I realized that, uh, that I wanted to have more control over who came in because I just let whoever wanted to sign up, sign up. Cause I'm like, I would be happy with just one person if they wanted to pay me to be in a group. But as it got more well known, I cut it off and only had enrollment three every three months. And then it got to a point where the group got so it wasn't huge, but it was big enough to where if it got any bigger then people would not be able to speak and be heard and be known and that is very important to me. Hmm. And so I started limiting who I let in and I had an interview process, an application process, and I started to not even open it up every three months because I was waiting for someone to leave and nobody was leaving. So which is fantastic. So I hit a sweet spot where people aren't leaving and I will only open up enrollment every three months if someone leaves the group and I need to fill a spot. But besides that, it's, it's a closed group right now until then. So people just keep re-upping the subscription every three months to stay
0: in. That's awesome. So me and you have had lots of conversations about that because my group is different. It, I can't do it on a continuous basis because it stresses me out. Mm -hmm. So, um, Andre asked about the newsletter. So how would you do it for services, a sign-up newsletter? So I think you could probably do some sort of um, lead magnet, to To be honest, yeah. who would be a customer and what they would be needing and then give them tips on something, right? But what would you Yeah for a service
1: yeah I actually have a video on this that I can give you a link to it's a free video that it's about um, this particular thing too but uh, yeah I would have a sign up for them I would I would be giving them something of value even before that so not just like hey sign up for this thing to get my PDF of whatever give them value even before that before so that they're like oh I want to be on this list because I know not just what this lead magnet is that it's gonna be valuable everything you're gonna be emailing me is gonna be extremely valuable. And that was what I actually had no lead magnet for. I only have lead magnets on certain pages, but I wanted people to sign up for the newsletter because they knew the newsletter itself was going to be extremely valuable. And it would be talking about their very particular problem that they're going through. And I wanted people to desire that email, not just these little things that like, Oh, it's going to solve your problem because my, my motto too is win hearts. When hearts before you even, they even need you before they need to sign up for your service or before they need to hire you. I want people to be following my journey, my work, my thoughts, the, the content that I give them, the help that I give them, the enjoyment and the feeling that I, that I help that I encourage them into before they even need to hire me. I want someone to go when I'm ready. I want to hire Melinda. That's the kind of people that I particularly want. I don't just want people at the time of need. I want them to have been I want to nurture them over the long haul. So um, it's figuring out how to I mean, if you're good at relationships, learn how to be good at relationships. I read a lot of psychology books. I read a lot on empathy, very interested in that. and I think those things, coupled with the business books, have been so helpful because I'm learning how to just how to be a human how to be kind to people, how to spark their interest, how to listen to them, that really has helped. So I would I would learn how to just be really good at relationships and you'll naturally figure out what to do next on your email list and how to get people to sign up. It's, an, it's like a natural thing.
0: So Andre asked a great question, but I just want – so my mom knows. A lead magnet is just – a lead is a new customer, could be a new customer for you, a new client – not that my mom has any clients, people, but that's okay. Um, if she wanted to. But if she wanted to, just in case somebody's out here and doesn't know what it is, and then a magnet just means it's a place on the internet that on your website more than likely, like a a page that's just branded for this, possibly, or it's like a sign-up list or something that'll get your get them to give you your their email address so that now you have this so you can start connecting with them on a regular basis. It's kind of like if you see somebody and you want to ask them on a date, you used to ask them for their um, phone number, right? It's like a phone number magnet, I guess, sort of. I don't know. That was a bad email. Well,
1: a magnet too. Think about a magnet. It attracts someone. So how, why would someone give you their email address? Why? You got to make it good enough. You got to make it really enticing. Why would a girl give someone her number? that has to be enticing enough. There has to be a good enough reason. So we have to give a good enough reason for someone to fork over their email list or their email address.
0: So this is a great analogy. And I I like that we're going here because Andre's next question, I think a lot of my students ask this question. I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs that ask the same question. So you use the newsletter. This is what Andre asked. So you use the newsletter to show how it is how it's your work and what you're about before working with you. So there's there's a couple things. I think for people who are more visual, your newsletter could be something that I want to eat it because it's just so good. I want to consume and I want, I would want to purchase these things that you're giving me for free. It could be more visual. There's absolutely no problem with that. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But there's also it's kind of like if you were out on that first date with that person and I'm selling myself the whole night they are not going to want a second date with me. So it has to be about Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. it needs to be about that conversation that you're having with them or something that you have found that helps them or Mm -hmm. Right. What, what else, yeah. what other kind of ideas would you give Andre? Oh
1: gosh. Yeah. So what you had said, just think, put yourself in their shoes. What do they want? What are they looking at? What are they, what are the problems they're going through? What are they thinking through the day? What would be funny for them? Like, what in the context of what you're doing? So think of things through their eyes. It's like the day thing, you know, this person really likes Puppies. So you send them DMs of like funny puppy videos, things like that. What do you do when you want to share something that you know someone else likes? You share. You share that with them. The other thing that's very valuable for people, especially entrepreneurs, are behind the scenes of your own business. So a lot of people don't want to do this because they're like, well, if people saw behind my business, they're gonna think that I don't know what I'm doing. And and I've had so many people, even designers mostly, say well, aren't you scared to share that stuff? Because what if your client sees it? And I'm like, great, that's gonna build more trust and I'm gonna be the only one that's brave enough to share what's going on and they're gonna, and I want clients that are like that. I want transparent clients. I don't want clients who are trying to prove themselves. I don't want clients that wear a mask. And if that's the case, then I, shouldn't, I should be the same way. So I, I think behind the scenes of your business is very interesting. And it's very helpful for other entrepreneurs, even if they're in a different industry as you. So if it's like food and beverage to still hear, oh, this is how it, like lead generation worked for me. And it's like this meta thing, but it still works. It's still very helpful. The other thing um, is a resources. So I was taught through one of the courses I took that if, you, if you're sending out emails if you just want a simple plan, the first one would be a behind the scenes of your business of like what's worked for you business-wise. So not getting too jargony in your industry, but more of like business-wise lead generation, business development. How has that worked for you? What's worked? Yeah.
0: Oh, but I pushed mute, accident. I meant to do speaker view because I was raising my hand because I'm trying to yeah. think about this for Andre. And because I think this is a really, this is actually a whole show kind of thing because this is how yeah. I teach web design. Yeah. Is it's about who's coming, not so if you it's a service, so think about how this has worked for another customer so Andre has mm-hmm. done uh books and there for so how did what Andre did allow them yeah. to reach more customers for their uh chamber of commerce or for the yeah. the monastery book thing. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's yeah. now you're taking it's kind of like a case study of this client sure. because you have a different way of looking at teaching history through um mm-hmm. sequential art. I don't know how it's, I don't know. What do you call that? It's not story comics. What do you call it? Uh, I'm, I'm at a loss here. It's like comic uh, books. Andre's like comic books. Okay. So it's like comic books, but it's not comic-y, comic-y. you know, he's teaching history, but it's a way. Storyboard? Like, I can't remember. It's like mouse, the novel, you know, it's like graphic novels. That's what it is. Like okay. A graphic got it. Novel. Got it. Yeah. But he's teaching like stuff with science and biology. And it just is like, whoa, I didn't realize I could, could reach this audience. This audience is somebody else that they would want to reach, but they're not reaching. So now you could say, hey, is this something that interests you? Are these people part of, because now it's about them and it's about helping them and you're just giving them information, right? And and they don't have to use you, Andre. But obviously, if they wanted to do really well, they would use you. But it's not selling, it's selling them on the idea of here's an idea of reaching New people, and here's how I've done it with multiple clients, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that can do it. Yeah, how I've done it with multiple clients, or how I've done it It myself—either work. Because if you only have, if you don't have that great of case studies or whatever the reason, you have so much to pull from from your own successes. But also, yes, I think if you're able to, the whole idea is paint a picture that someone else can put themselves in the shoes of. They're like, oh, I want that. Yeah, that story of the success of that, I want that. Oh, and you're telling me how perfect. And if you're not only telling me how I could hire you to do that for me even better. So that is really, really good. The other thing I was taught too is just sending a link, an email of links of resources. Like, Hey, I found this really good article in Forbes at, I found this really good article in whatever the food and beverage, you know, trade show or whatever the, I heard these are coming up and, and giving it to them for, it's something that you know that would be helpful for them or, or, you know, you can at least see and send it out and see like, and ask, was this helpful for you? What else might, what else are you looking into or whatever, but resources and behind the scenes, whether that is your business, or like you said, a client, client case studies. It's
0: it's more about them and not about just showing you. And so we didn't get to finish, uh, barely half of what these were. (laughs) So I'm going to ask you the last two as quick ones, um, how do you recharge and what inspires you? That's one question. I know it's really two, but it's consider
1: <laughs> Yeah. How do I recharge? Well, I think it's kind of the same uh answer for both is I recharge by even though I'm an introvert, I think that creatively I do recharge with people. So in conversations, in collaborating, in brainstorming, I definitely I I need that for my creative brain to thrive and be inspired. And um Hanging out with my dog
0: would probably be just general. General recharging
1: would be hanging out with my dog.
0: All right. So then, the last one is what's next? What could we expect? Where can we? And I'll share where to find you in just a second. But what's next for you?
1: Yeah. So uh, what's next? The my brand strategy bootcamp, the thing that I've been uh, I did a beta on. That is going to be coming out in April. Is when I'll be teaching that. So the first one that's going out to the public. Um that's I'm super excited about. And then I'm probably gonna be I'm gonna be more involved in the future and doing stuff there and then just all random, I don't know, like 30 day challenges probably, more 30-day challenges coming up, more content coming out, um, and just
0: seeing wherever my creativity leads me. I love that. So one time I was telling my mom something about the future and she's like, um she said something like, Well, where did you learn that? And I was like, I learned it on the future. And she's like, on the future, are are you okay, Diane? Like, she didn't realize what it was. Anyway, I thought it was (laughs) hilarious. I know, she thought I was going crazy. I learned it from my future self. I came (laughs) back in time. I just wanted to tell you. Anyway, so I'm going to share some ways to connect with Melinda. And if you're going to Creative South, Melinda's going to be there. Super Ah. excited that you guys can... All hang out and and see her yes. as well. So you can find her at Marks with an S and spell it out Maker. I don't know how she'd spell that dot com. And then you can also find her at Melinda Livesey L I V S E Y. It's the same at, on Instagram on LinkedIn. Then you can check out the prelance if you're uh, looking to do that part. And then if they wanted to get on the boot camp uh, email list or the, uh, the wait list or the wait list for the inner circle is the best way just to do marks and maker and yeah. sign up there. Yeah. So
1: go to marks and maker, the, whatever's on the header the just right away to sign up for that. And then in the first email, there'll be a lot of links in there. And one of which is the wait list for the bootcamp. Cause I'm currently only going to open up enrollment for people who are on my list who are already engaged with it. So that they're going to get first dibs on it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for giving us so much of your time. Thank I you. greatly appreciate it. So next week starts a three or a two-part series because I have jury duty one week. Might not be able to be here in the jury duty week. So we'll see. It just works out that I plan to do a part series. So we'll see. It'll it'll be there sometime. So it'll be episode 332. It'll be a rapid recharge, and it's a three-part series hopefully it'll be full three. We'll see. Um, But check it out next week. And I can't wait to have you guys all along. I have a couple ideas uh, that I'm still deciding which one to do. Um, But probably it will be mindset related because those have been the, the things that I've been learning a ton about. So I hope you guys will join me next week. Melinda, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate that just how willing you are to be vulnerable, but also willing you are to share and be open. You're just a great person and you're just realist, you know, like you're normal. You're a real normal person. So I (laughs) appreciate that. That's the best compliment I've got. Thank you. (laughs) Anyway, I mean, you know, like I think sometimes people put people on pedestals and you just really, um, I love that you just share and you're real and just thank you for being you. You're welcome. Thank you, Dan. We'll see you guys next week. Did you know that you can always join us live? You can come live and you can, all you have to do is go to rechargingyou.com slash sign up and then you'll be able to get the link to come live and you get an email reminding you 30 minutes before and the day before you get a list of the questions or the topic that it's going to be so that if somebody that you want to also ask some questions to you can send those to me in an email and I'll get those answered or you can come live and I'll ask those questions type them in the chat and I'll make sure that they get asked so a great way for you to help me is to share podcast so if there was a podcast episode that you really loved or it was this episode then please share share this with a friend you can also support the channel in four other ways becoming a patron um, you can support the channel by even a dollar a month and each level has different extra benefits and rewards and they're delivered to patrons only you can do it at patreon.com diane gibbs my favorite way to build websites is using the Elementor plugin. If you click this link, it doesn't cost any more for you, but it gives me, a, it's an affiliate link, so it gives me a little piece of the pie, and it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash D-R, capital D, capital R, and then Elementor, E-L-E-M-E-N-T-O-R. All these links are down below. And Timely is the app that I use on my computer to track my time. I'm really bad at doing time and, um, making sure I have a day each week that says bill clients, bill clients, bill clients. And thankfully timely has saved me because if I haven't tracked all my time, not that I do everything by time, but I also want to know where I'm wasting my time and how, if I've had somebody thing that came up that I wasn't planning for, I've logged it in. And so this is a great way and it because it remembers for you. It has a stalker option. I call it, they call it the memory option. And if you use this link, you get 10% off a discounted uh it's a 10 discount once you activate your subscription but they let you try it for 14 days so you can see if it's right for you it was for me and then the last way um is of course audible audibletrial.com slash design recharge and then skillshare you can do uh sign up and you get two free months of skillshare premium if you go to bit.ly bit.ly slash Diane only has one in in my name. So I'll see you guys next week. It's a rapid recharge. See you then. I will be sharing some of these, the amazing, not the amazing. I'll share. I'm not going to even say that. Forget all the sharing. I'm going to start right now. <clears throat> this week is all about recharging you. And... Um, I had like a bug in my nose. Don't leave. Don't do that. Okay. And the commercials are going to be super short. And here they are. I lied. Here. Here they are. Here they are. Yes. Here they are. Another thing that really helps is us to get a rating. I would love to share some of these ratings um, for the podcast.
1: Blah, blah, blah.